The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Have you ever stopped to think that the best and worst place to live is in your mind? Think about it. We can create our own destiny or our own downfall. It all has to do with the way that we choose to think and see things. Welcome to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit with your host, Dr. Paula Joyce. Dr. Paula is here with her guest experts to show you just how to change that negative way of thinking and see your world in a positive light. Now, here is Dr. Paula. Welcome to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, and I'm so grateful you're joining us today. Last week, we had a wonderful program on creativity. If you missed it, be sure to check out the podcast. And as always, any questions about this show or previous shows are welcome and encouraged. Call in during the show to one 472 5795 and email now or between shows to Dr. Paula Joyce, that's gmail.com. And if you're listening to a podcast or think of a question after the show, the phone number to call is one 736 Four four six zero. Those of you who have been listening on a regular basis know that I'd like to use the first segment of the show to answer questions that I've received and also to expand on past topics or the topic of the day. When we come back from break, we'll have the pleasure of talking with Dr. Deborah Mandel about her book, Your Boss is Not Your Mother. More on that later. Right now, I want to answer a question from our listening audience. Last week, I spoke some about the ultimate creative problem-solving process that I use in my coaching and in my work with corporations and nonprofits. The question I received was, I was confused about the way the process works. You mentioned crayons and writing, but can you give more specific information about what you do and how it helps your client? So let me try to um, explain a little bit more clearly. When we experience extreme confusion or seem unable to accomplish our goals or feel stuck, it's usually because the two sides of our brain are giving us conflicting information. 
So it's like a tug of war. Our conscious mind is saying, go this way. And our unconscious mind is saying, no, you really want to go the other way or you just don't want to do that. So we're just going to sit here. And so there's a huge amount of energy that goes into managing all of this and we feel stuck. The problem is, is that the conscious and unconscious don't communicate with each other. There's a very, very thin connection, and most of the time, we don't know what the, each of the sides is saying. The right side is the still, small voice. It's the creative, quiet, unconscious part of our mind that we don't really hear because it doesn't speak loudly like the left brain does. It's the logical part of our mind and it communicates in words. So we hear those words, whereas the right side may be images or a feeling or a whisper and we sort of discount it because we want to see, feel, touch, hear and not just concretely and not just like a fleeting thought or a fleeting moment. So the left brain dominates, but brain researchers estimate that on an order of 10 million to one, there's more information in the creative unconscious right brain that communicates in images or in a a very soft whisper. So most of the time, we can't get to that information. We need to develop a process that allows us to hear the right brain and then to connect it with the left brain so that all of our energy, all of our thoughts, all of us is moving in one direction. And that's what the ultimate creative problem-solving process allows us to do. Just like Bernie Siegel talked about using crayons to have his clients draw pictures about their cancer and their diagnosis to help determine what the real diagnosis is and what blockages are in the unconscious mind that are preventing their complete healing and successful treatment. He then interprets those pictures after the client draws them. My process involves you're using crayons to get to that hidden information in the unconscious to reveal the blocks to your solving your problems and to your successful healing, to your successful creation of your business, of relationships, of wealth, of what uh, of whatever it is that you want. So the crayons allow us to get into the unconscious mind to surface the blockage. And that's what we do first. I use the question, what is blocking you from? Or actually the client says, what is blocking me from? And then they fill in the blank with whatever it is that they want in that particular session. More profitability in my business. Um, uh, Release the pain in my neck. 
um, uh, what else could it be? Sometimes it's I want to release the guilt that uh, plagues me. I want peace of mind. So what's blocking me from having a healthy relationship? Whatever it is, they fill in the blank. Then they use the crayons to allow the unconscious mind to talk to them through whatever comes out. And it's the process that's important. Yes, we look at the product, but the process is what allows the blockage to release. So it can be scribbling, it can be stick figures, it can be geometric shapes, it can be of a fine art drawing, but it doesn't matter how what the person would how they express what's in the unconscious. What's important is that they use the crayons to allow some kind of images, even through doodling, that allows them to surface the blockage. Then they write to understand what's really going on, to bring that blockage into conscious awareness. Then we look at the picture together. They view it and interpret it so that the client is always in charge. And then we add the writing to it and make a whole so that now we completely understand right and left brain knows what's going on. And now the blockage is automatically releasing. And I'm there to support the process, to add interpretation, to help them go deeper than they would be able to on their own. Because an objective observer is always helpful. We can't do it alone. We can only go so far alone in our own healing. And then we need somebody to support us to see outside Uh, what's going on and to objectively from a different viewpoint and perspective be able to put it all together. So then the second question is what do you need to do to move forward? What does the client need to do to release the guilt, to have a healthy relationship, to have a more profitable business. Whatever it is, we finish with the second question about how do they need to move forward. And then they crayon write and we discuss again so that now a pathway has opened up. They have some ideas about how to move forward. When the session is over, they may do something completely different, and that's okay because they've already moved beyond what they wrote down that they need to do. But the blockage has been removed, and now the energy is helping them move forward toward their goal in a more effective, more efficient, freer, safer, more positive way. The information is always unique to the person and right for them because it's driven by their inner wisdom, by their limitless self, by their inner knowing. So it's, a, it's effective and efficient because the answers come from within the individual. In education, we talk about curriculum-centered or child-centered education. The curriculum-centered education tries to force everyone to learn in the same way, at the same speed, 
And that's why a lot of children fail because we're not all cookie cutter. We're not all the same. Children get held behind because they can move faster and other children literally get be held behind and fail the grade because they couldn't move as fast as the curriculum wants them to. So it's not safe and it sets people up for failure. The second process is far more effective because it meets the individual where they are. It customizes the teaching and learning to the individual and takes them forward in the order that they need to go and at the pace that's right for them. If you move too fast for a given person, you can sabotage them and set them back. I had one client whose friend inadvertently did that to her. The friend was trying to help. The person needed to make a phone call to deliver some difficult news that would allow her to move forward. And the friend said, okay, enough procrastinating. Do you want me to help you with this? My client said, yes. So the friend handed her the phone and said, okay, make the call now. I'm sitting here. I'm supporting you. I'm giving you additional courage. Just do it. So the client took the phone, but was unable to dial the phone number. She froze because she was not emotionally ready to face that conversation yet. So what happened was that now, in addition to removing the blockages to making the phone call, I had to work with her to remove the humiliation that she just experienced with her friend and the self-criticism that she wasn't able to make the call. So when we this the process I use gently allows you to move forward in a in a at a speed that works for you and is right for you and doesn't sabotage you. Courage is not jumping into a swimming pool in the deep end when you can't swim. Courage is stepping in at the shallow end and moving step by step by step till you get used to the water, feel safe, then you learn how to swim, and then you truly are safe. One client who had experienced an abusive childhood drew a fence from her childhood home in numerous sessions. Over time, the fence got smaller with fewer sections, fewer vertical posts, fewer horizontal posts. The distance, the length of the um, fence and the width of the fence kept diminishing until she was no longer drawing it. The fence represented the block to her happiness, and as it diminished, so did her pain and sadness. I work with people in person and on the phone or over Skype. The process is equally effective regardless of the way we work. Another client came to me because she was certain she had no ability to write, but she needed to write some articles to promote her business. She discovered that the block to her writing came because of a second grade teacher who humiliated her in front of the class by holding up her paper and telling her that she didn't know how to write. When she connected that childhood experience 
humiliation with her current inability to write, the dam broke open. And she. what was revealed was an incredibly prolific and good writer. In fact, she was having so much fun writing that it was hard for her to put limits on herself, which she finally had to do so that she could actually make use of all the business that was coming in as a result of the writing that she was doing to promote her business. And so she had to make herself work on her business so she could meet the client's needs who were now coming to her. I've also helped corporations come to consensus, develop innovative strategic plans to re-energize their business, develop team effectiveness and trust, build leadership, create healthy cultures, and resolve conflicts. The process is surprisingly easy and effective and is customized to the needs of the organization. I mentioned healthy work cultures, and I want to expand on that a bit. I'm always amazed at the denial that occurs within organizations, even among people who supposedly know better. Many organizations get stuck in groupthink, which is when the workers are so conditioned to one way of doing things that they all see the same solution. And then they pride themselves on how perfect the solution is because they all came up with the same one, not realizing that they're just doing what they've always done, but they're dressing it up to look a little differently. This happened to one company that I know who have a chain of stores across the country. They actually won a national award for creativity. And yet when they built their first New York store, they designed it with groupthink, and after a year, they had to totally reorganize it. Brainstorming uses the left side of the brain, and if you're trying to be creative through brainstorming, you can't do it. Usually, the ideas that are most innovative are rejected because they sound too different. Well, yeah, they're innovative, and they're creating change, and people balk, and they pride themselves on throwing out the bad ideas. You have to get into the right side of the brain through crayons or meditation to truly find the creative ideas that aren't the old ideas dressed up to appear different. In addition to groupthink, another common problem that corporations deny is emotional and psychological abuse. One supervisor in a school district I worked in was very good at getting other people to do the work, and then she'd take credit for it. She moved up the ranks while the people who worked under her were stuck. I remember being at a meeting when a national organization was receiving an award for their high-quality coaching program. Afterwards, I approached the person who was the head of that coaching program who was receiving the award and opened a discussion about coaching abusive bosses to help them become more effective and to create healthy relationships in the work environment. He told me that they didn't have any abusive bosses in their organization. As fate would have it, about three weeks later, I was at a dinner with 
people from all walks of life and all kinds of jobs. And I happened to sit next to someone from the same company who was complaining about her emotionally abusive boss. When I questioned her more deeply, she said that other people had tried to report him with no positive results. We are so capable of denying what is in front of us. By contrast, I just learned that Google has a labyrinth at their corporate headquarters. In a previous show with the Reverend Dr. Lauren Artris, we talked about the value of the labyrinth as a walking meditation. Google is one of the companies smart enough to realize that providing this wonderful tool lowers their employees' stress levels, improves their immune systems, decreases depression and pain, health and emotional benefits add up to increased effectiveness, productivity, profits, and healthier work relationships. If you haven't listened to that show, be sure to find it. Or if you have, listen again. That's the beauty of podcasts. They're available for multiple listening opportunities. And each time you hear new information and understand the concepts at deeper levels. What happens in organizations can support or hurt the people who are employees. And this is probably a show you're going to want to listen to again on a podcast also, because in a few minutes, right after break, we will talk about workplace relationships with Dr. Deborah Mandel. She's a nationally renowned, no-nonsense, yet compassionate psychologist who transforms people's lives. Whether in front of the camera or microphone in private practice or in print, Dr. Deborah inspires people to create the changes they desire. She has over 20 years experience helping individuals, couples, and families with relationship and intimacy issues. She's the author of four books, including Your Boss is Not Your Mother. I just love that title. (laughs) Okay, you are listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I'm your host, Dr. Paula. Remember to call in your questions to 1-866-472-5795 or email drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. If you're enjoying our program, be sure to like us on Facebook. For more information on my ultimate creative problem-solving process and other services, please visit my website, paulajoyce.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. Time for a fresh perspective from leadership development to team building and re-imaging your mission. 
Dr. Paula has game-changing speeches and presentations crafted just for you. She has helped leading experts solve their key challenges and can help you too while reducing stress and increasing your profitability. With Dr. Paula, you will find common ground in innovative solutions. Start now with a free consultation. Call Dr. Paula, the life doctor, today at 214-208-3533 or visit paulajoyce.com. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Be the best that you can be. Dr. Paula invites you to meet with her for a -a one-of-a-kind breakthrough coaching session. Dissolve hidden barriers to your goals, solve your most challenging problems, and unleash your inner power. Visit PaulaJoyce.com or call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, at 214-208-3533 to find out more and to schedule your free consultation. Whether it's individual or group, business or personal, attain success with ease. Mention that you heard this on Uplift Your Life and receive 10% off your first service. Call 214-208-3533 or visit PaulaJoyce.com today. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit with Dr. Paula Joyce. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. That's drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. Now, back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Hi, if you are just tuning in, I'm your host, Dr. Paula, and you're listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Remember to call in your questions to 1-866-472-5795 or email drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. And we're here with Dr. Deborah, uh, also Dr. Deborah Mandel. So thank you for being with us, Dr. Deborah. I'm thrilled, and I was just thinking, I just love the title of your show. It's just so nourishing. What else can I say? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes. So, well, good. Well, and I'm I'm glad you're on here with us. There was one um, thing in, in your book that I thought maybe we'd start off with because this concept of blame versus responsibility, and I want to quote what we wrote, um, what I wrote in the promo for this show, that 74% of people are dissatisfied with their jobs. And here's the key word, 85% blame their supervisors. 
So, you know, and sometimes it actually is the supervisor. So the blame is accurate. But this idea of blame versus responsibility, I think, is just so important. Would you talk to us a little bit about that? Absolutely. And I think that the word blame is equated with shame, usually. So blame and shame go together with fault. And responsibility is just a much more adult and integrated approach to understanding problems. So when people are blaming others, it tends to be because they experience themselves to be a victim. And victims are people that don't have any choices. They are really like children, like three-year-olds and five-year-olds, where their parental figures are responsible for all of their well-being. So they really are, quote-unquote, a victim to whatever is dealt to them. Whereas as adults, we need to grow into the level of I am an independent, responsible person who's accountable for my behavior as well. And very rarely in any situation that is dysfunctional is there only one person who's contributing to that dysfunction. Now, what's interesting, though, in the workplace and why I wrote the book and the title, Your Boss is Not Your Mother, is because oftentimes those old wounds from childhood will get reactivated in the workplace because it has the similar hierarchy of a family. You have somebody who's sort of like a parental figure, which would be your boss or supervisor. You have peers who might be like siblings or, or uh, friends on the schoolyard. And then you sometimes, if you're in a supervisory position, you'll have your children under you who might respond to you as though you are a member of their family. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, and and I know there are times when I certainly have responded to other people that way. And in fact, in, in the last organization that I worked, there were cliques. The, it, it, it was like, you know, the childhood, you're in or you're not. And the cliques actually moved each other up through the ranks, regardless of competency. And that is what uh, I also address very intently in the book about when something truly is unbearable, when something truly is intolerable. And there are many behaviors in the workplace that do qualify as, quote-unquote, abusive behaviors, backstabbers, verbal abusers, psychological abusers, sexual harassment. When you have those kinds of things where somebody's literally just behaving as though they're a dictator and you don't really have any choices, of course that is going to reenact for you as a person whatever kinds of childhood wounds that you may have had where, you know, maybe you felt abandoned as a child or neglected. And then we have what I hope we can talk about a little bit is transference. Transference reactions are very powerful in the workplace. Well, yes, let's talk a little bit about it. Go on. <laughs> All righty. I was hoping you'd say that, hey, Dr. Paula. As, as you know, but many people don't really know the true meaning of this word, but a simple way to understand transference is the tendency to put upon or project onto somebody old childhood wounds as though that person is the person wounding them from childhood. And so, that can also be positive or negative, by the way. A positive transference would be, you know, you're in the mall one day and you're looking at some clothes and the salesperson comes up to you and you don't even consciously know what's happening, but you automatically bond with this person because she reminds you of your favorite sibling, your sister, 
who was kind to you, your older sister. You have no idea that that's occurring, but that's a positive transfer. You're giving her kind of a halo effect. You're treating, you're talking to her as though she's somebody who you already have a connection with. So you can understand how powerful that is. The reverse is equally powerful. Somebody on site reminds you unconsciously by the way they dress, by the tone of their voice, by their demeanor, by their attitude of somebody who mistreated you in childhood, somebody who hurts you, somebody who didn't pay attention to your needs. And now you have a negative transference going. And that happens so frequently in the workplace because, let's face it, most of us have some childhood wounds that we need to heal that we did not take care of with the caregivers who treated us badly. And that's not saying that it has to be abuse or anything like that. But, you know, as children, we don't know how to process the world the same way we can as an adult. We don't have as many tools. So wounds are much deeper because we're children. So in the workplace, if those wounds get activated, we're likely to have extremely unrealistic expectations of those around us. So it's a really interesting puzzle to solve in a workplace issue. How much of this is the person who feels offended? How much is it that they're actually creating this offense by attributing certain qualities to somebody that really aren't there versus is this person who is mistreating them in the workplace truly being difficult or abusive? And that's a hard line because of this transference phenomenon. Well, that that's what I was thinking is how one teases that apart. Or um, and and I'm thinking about two instances actually. Uh, one with a client who used to over uh, put herself out too much, and was never appreciated so that uh, her boss as well as her co-workers would always go to her to solve their problems. She was working very long days, stuck in a low-level job, and found herself doing menial tasks that weren't her job, but everybody else was kind of helpless to accomplish it, so they'd run to her and wanting to be liked, wanting to help, whatever was going on there in terms of transfer. And she kept doing it so that she was exhausted, couldn't enjoy her life and couldn't move up either because she wasn't giving them any reason to promote her. She kept um, doing whatever it was anybody wanted and for less pay. That is such a classic example of so many, I'm going to stereotype here a bit, but so many women who are in the workplace because we are taught that the only way we're going to be approved of it and liked is if we overdo. So we do too much. And then we set a bar at the beginning of an interaction in the workplace that people then start to expect that of us. So we become the, the be-all, do-all, all, mostly in service of wanting to protect that childhood wound of, not feeling approved of enough, not getting enough of the attention that one desired for their true self. So you bring that to the workplace and you go, wow, now I'm really going to be able to shine in this environment and I'm going to get everybody to like me. Sometimes this is conscious, sometimes it's more unconscious. And then this, this woman you're talking about, she goes out there and you say, you know, oh, I, I, this feels so good. It's good for my self-esteem to feel so needed. At the same time, what's the result? 
she ends up being exploited because if people are used to taking 75% of the pie and you're used to only taking 25%, then in every situation, the day that you want to take your fair share, somebody's going to say, why are you taking something away from me? It's all of a sudden like you'll be treated as though you are now being greedy or aggressive or entitled. And so the tables shift and it can become very painful, very hard to get out of that trap. Well, exactly. And and I was thinking, and it actually backfires because at some point you recognize that you're being used, misused, maybe even abused because you're doing so much work and not getting paid and other people are getting promoted ahead of you who whose work you were doing <laughs> you help exactly. them look good and they get the credit and and so then it, it diminishes your self-esteem absolutely and that's why as we were talking earlier you want to get out of the blame fault slash shame mode where you know either you're feeling like a victim because people are doing this to you you have to look at your own role in this which is why I have a chapter called Identify How You Make a Mess of Your Own Professional Life. It's not to be casting blame on yourself, but to look at what is your accountability in this? What are you contributing to why this continues to happen? Look, you and I both know, Dr. Paula, there are moments in time where just the world is not being very nice to us, and it really isn't our responsibility at all. You know, bad day, bad time, all good things are not coming our way. And then there are other times the reverse. We're just lucky. Things just sort of happen and they come our way and we're not really all that responsible for that either. But when you start to see patterns in your life, when you start to see people who come into your office or my office or myself included, I certainly was this way when I was younger, just always feeling like, why is this person doing this to me? And and that kept, you know, and I, I didn't get that promotion because he blah, blah, or she blah, blah. Instead, it's, what did I do that interrupted or sabotaged or God in my own way, and because those are the areas that we have control over in life, is our own choices, our own reactions, and our own behavior, not someone else's. <clears throat> now, sometimes we will identify that, really, the responsibility here does not really lie within us. It's mostly in someone else, and then we have a choice also. Do we stay, or do we go? Exactly, and I think a lot of people don't want to leave, and so they they feel that is a defeat, and they're going to make it work, and they stay longer than is healthy for them, and sometimes never do leave. And that's often, again, a transference onto the workplace, that work is family, as opposed to, no, work is not family, and one of the the things that many of us have learned in our childhood is people will say, well, family, is, you know, blood is thicker than water. So we stick, we stick it out. We can have abusive caregivers or siblings or um, uncles, aunts, anybody in our inner circle when we're growing up, but we're told, you know, that's family. You have to stay. So then we will oftentimes be in a workplace situation that is reenacting. It's recreating many of those childhood wounds, and we won't see any other options because we resort back to, childhood modes of thinking. So it's so empowering when people recognize that that transference is occurring or that that projection of work being family and learning that to grow up in many ways emotionally to say, okay, I need to get many of these, I call the A's, and I'm sure you've heard of this, the acknowledgement, the attention, the affection, the adoration, all those A's. We need to expand our horizons and not see 
the workplace as the exclusive source of getting those needs met. We need to build our self-worth through viewing the outside world as also a full well that's able to quench our thirst. That's really important, looking at one's life as a totality and what role do we want our work life to play in it. It it also triggered for me the thought, if I do have to leave the workplace in order to get what I need, then how do I not feel like life is unfair that I've been forced to leave rather than those people who are doing things wrong. Why aren't they being forced to leave? How, how does one deal with that? That's a wonderful and, question. And, okay. and actually, actually, I think what I'm going to do because it's time for a break is pick up the answer to that question when we come back. Wonderful. Okay, great. Thank you. Be the change. The Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Be the best that you can be. Dr. Paula invites you to meet with her for a -a one-of-a-kind breakthrough coaching session. Dissolve hidden barriers to your goals, solve your most challenging problems, and unleash your inner power. Visit PaulaJoyce.com or call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, at 214-208-3533 to find out more and to schedule your free consultation. Whether it's individual or group, business or personal, attain success with ease. Mention that you heard this on Uplift Your Life and receive 10% off your first service. Call 214-208-3533 or visit PaulaJoyce.com today. Explore subconscious programs, belief systems, and past life memories that may be sabotaging your life. Join host Dorian Light on her show, All About You, as she helps you to shift change and heal your life. Each week, Dorian does a light session using psychic energetics and the language of light to energetically shift and clear negative patterns you have stored regarding that week's topics. Step into the realm of infinite possibilities for your life. All About You airs live Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. Time for a fresh perspective from leadership development to team building and re-imaging your mission. Dr. Paula has game-changing speeches and presentations crafted just for you. She has helped leading experts solve their key challenges and can help you too while reducing stress and increasing your profitability. With Dr. Paula, you will find common ground in innovative solutions. Start now with a free consultation. Call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, today at 214-208-3533 or visit paulajoyce.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit with Dr. Paula Joyce. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. That's drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. 
Now, back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. If you're just tuning in, I'm your host, Dr. Paula, and you're listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Remember to call in your questions to one 866 472-5795 or email Dr. Paula Joyce at gmail.com and we have a wonderful expert on with us Dr. Deborah Mandel who's talking with us about work relationships and how we can get caught in unfortunate knee-jerk reactions or in situations that unconsciously remind us of childhood experiences and cause us to then react in ways that don't get us what we really want in life. And we were just talking about, Dr. Deborah was just about to answer the question, how do we deal with the feeling of if we do have to leave a workplace in order to get what we want because it's dysfunctional for us, then how do we not, um, how do we have peace of mind about that? Absolutely. And I think that that really comes down to creating acceptance within ourselves that we understand that there are some things in life that we just don't have control over. We cannot control other people's reactions or thoughts. We cannot control their transference toward us also because you can have people in the workplace who are projecting their own childhood wounds and they may be angry about it or they may be unreasonable. They may become abusive. And so even though it may feel on the front end as though we're being mistreated and victimized and maybe we are, but once you make the decision to say, so that I'm no longer going to put myself in this position, it's actually empowering. And if you learn from that, what, what you did to contribute, then in your next workplace scenario, even if it's outside the workplace, you, we can apply these same principles to all negative relationships. You know, learning to be able to say, this is not an appropriate boundary for me. This is not an appropriate position to keep myself in. And we empower ourselves then we can come to acceptance and feel a lot less victimized. I love what you're saying because really it's not what's it's the old expression, it's not what's happening, it's how we look at it, what we do with it, how we allow it to hurt us or to help us grow. And what did we learn from this that might help us make a better choice for the next workplace? What can we look for in that environment that might trigger for us an awareness of this is a healthy place for me, this is not a healthy place for me? Or if we wind up in another unhealthy environment, maybe we'll see the signs faster and be able to cut loose faster. I love the question, what am I learning? What am I gaining? As opposed to poor me, isn't this awful? I've got to find another job. What I like to tell my clients is now you have the opportunity to get a better job. You know, this is is good. Absolutely. And and what you're addressing, which is what I address in all of my writings and all of my work, is moving from victim to survivor, but ultimately to thriver. Because most people stay stuck somewhere between victim and survivor, and they don't understand the concept of, well, they can't yet embrace the concept because of those 
childhood wounds, because of misfortunes in their lives, it's hard to embrace that, no, I can make this better. I have the tools. I have the resources at my fingertips if I choose to take them in to be able to thrive and move out of that survivor mentality completely. Yeah, I, and again, I love what you're saying, and I actually dislike the word survivor as a positive word because mm-hmm. I think that we're surviving in abuse, in unhealthy relationships and work situations and volunteer situations or in friendships in, in all areas of our life. We can survive because we are surviving because we're not dead. <laughs> yes, exactly. But I call that, it's still, okay, so victim is a maximum security prison. Survivor is still a prison. It might be minimal security, but it's still a prison. Whereas thriving is freedom. And that's what I think we ultimately all crave. I, I think we've been uh, um, in the same brain thoughts or, or something because you l- use terms that I use as well. I talk about prisons and, and so on. So I'm, I'm just kind of having my own personal um, enjoyment here <laughs> as I'm listening to you talk. We're having a positive transference. Yay. <laughs> Yes, I actually, though, I have to say that I had a little, um, another little joke in my mind as you were talking about the salesperson and the positive transference, that that might be really good for the salesperson, but depending on whether I spend more than I can afford, it might not be so good for me. <laughs> yes, may not have been the best analogy for the compulsive shopper, but okay, that's another show. <laughs> yes, and I, I'm sorry. You 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 made a good point. I was just having a little like fun with with my own thoughts that's, on that. That's <laughs> um, a beautiful thing. I'm sorry. I I didn't hear you. Go ahead. Oh, I just said that's a beautiful thing. Laughter is the key to thriving. Making light of some situations that are worthy of making light of is a beautiful thing. Absolutely. And and we don't do enough of it. We do get stuck in the difficulties uh, of life. And I, I wanted to sort of bring that up for a minute because at one point in your book, you talk about how unhealthy situations, negative situations in the workplace affect our uh, affect us physically. It's emotional, um, mentally, and, and also physically. And I think people often don't understand that. I know when I left my job at the school district that I worked for, I left because it was not a healthy environment for me. And there was somebody who wanted me, was going to pull me um, into their uh, line of responsibility. And I saw the stress. I knew that person. I had been observing her from gratefully up to that moment afar. And I knew what my life was going to be if I took that, if I stayed. And so I quit five years before retirement and nobody could wrap their mind around what I was doing. They were hanging on and and I kept saying, 
to my friends, not in the workplace, but to my friends, you know, I can spend the extra money that I'd be making there over the next five years on doctor bills, or I can get out and figure out something to do that's life enhancing rather than hurting me. I'm so glad that you got to that place because you probably did prevent your body from deteriorating from all the stress and aggravation that we take home when we're in environments that are not conducive to our growth and our shining. Absolutely, and I love that you mentioned it because you're one of the people who really understands that and and most people don't. So I, I, I think that the the ideas that you present are so powerful because most people truly don't understand what they're stuck in and so they stay stuck that's true but there are lots of tools in the book and i have written several other books because i love to write things about relationships so that's kind of my theme well and and i think that that's a a point that's so important is that all of these things that we've been bringing up are not to blame or to dishearten people, but to help them become aware because if we're not aware of what's going on, there's no hope for change. And you do provide so many tools to help people assess what's going on to fully understand their situation and then how they can either make changes or if change isn't impossible, they don't have control, then it's time to leave and you give them exercises and questions to help them understand where they fit on that continuum and to make a a positive decision for themselves. Well, thank you for that lovely endorsement. (laughs) Well, it's sincere. I mean, it's why I wanted to have you on the show because when I was director of research at the Carrollton Farmers Branch School District and Organizational Health, I used your book and shared it with principals and the superintendent and, and the cabinet because it's so powerful and so important and can help to create a healthy work environment for the individual or for the culture at large. Oh, thank you. Yes, and I do think that it's so important for people to recognize in all of this discussion that we're having that it's also about being compassionate towards yourself, that everybody doesn't get to that place that they want to be so quickly. Some people had it much worse than other people in their lives or they process things differently. And so it is challenging. And for all the listeners to please remember that this is really about just getting on that path and how long it takes you to get to that place of contentment and peace and joy is what it is. And we don't always stay there. I mean, I've done all this work with people, with myself ongoingly for all these years, and I still have moments of, woe with me and why me? And then at least so now I can say, hmm, I don't think I want to stay there. I think there's a much sunnier path on the other side of the street. I'm going to walk over there. But that takes a while for some people. So be kind to yourself. But, you know, you have to light that fire. You got to do it because sometimes the world isn't going to give you 
that flame. You have to find it yourself. Thank you for that inspiration and for your expertise. Would you share your website with us as um, a, a, a last parting word? Yes, of course. It's drdebraonline.com, D-R-D-E-B-R-A, online.com, and there's lots of tips and tools and uh, access to my books and links and things like that. So I hope you'll visit and enjoy what you see or learn something. And help change your life. Thank you so much, Dr. Deborah. You have a beautiful day. You as well. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. And I want to thank our listening audience for joining us today for Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. If you enjoyed today's show, please like us on Facebook. For more information on my services, go to my website, paulajoyce.com. And please tune in next week for another insightful and enjoyable program. As Bernie Siegel called me, this is Dr. Paula, your CM or chosen mom, reminding you, you are loved. Have a blessed week. Thank you for tuning in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Please join Dr. Paula Joyce and her guest experts next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Until then, have a positive week. We'll be right back.